Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, you guys. Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so happy that you're here. Our guest today is the best-selling author of Warrior Goddess Training, one of my favorite books, and it was one of the first books I read on my uh, knowingly growth path. We're always on the growth path, but the first, I guess, like once I knew that I was seeking growth, it was one of my first books that really opened up in me, oh, I can be a goddess. <laughs> and she also wrote the Warrior Goddess Wisdom Series. Awaken Your Inner Fire, The Little Book of Big Freedom, and her most recent book, The Warrior Heart Practice, which is a simple process to transform confusion into clarity and pain into peace. Over the past 15 years, she has taught workshops and apprenticeships, traveling the world, working with women to integrate the feminine wisdom of the ancients into their modern lives. The heart of her teaching stems from her long Toltec apprenticeship and teaching partnership with Don Miguel Ruiz, author of The Four Agreements. She says, when we bring our attention back to discovering who we are on the inside, not who we wish we were or who we think we should be, we begin a sacred path of transformation towards our innate, authentic, embodied power. And that is what that first book really, really did for me. She teaches us all how to be the heroine of our story and not the victim. Heather Ash, thank you for being a tool in so many women's transformations, helping us wake up to the beautiful warrior goddess within all of us. Welcome to Untamed and Unashamed. Thanks so much, Jade. So good to be with you and to be with everyone. Yeah, I um, I was saying before you got on that your one of your first books, if not maybe your first warrior goddess training, uh, I read it. You know, we're, we're always on the growth path, but when I was like knowingly on the growth path, that was the first book that I read. A lot of people, it's like a new earth or some, you know, one of those, but your book for, it was really the book that I feel like I was meant to read because I had no, no knowledge that I was a goddess or that I, I could have any type of warrior spirit. And then when I really looked at it, I was like, look at all I've been through. I am a warrior. I am a goddess, but I didn't wake up to that until your book. And it was right when I was becoming a mother also. So it was really perfect timing. And I'm just so thankful for it. And now, you know, I interviewed, we um, interviewed you twice on my previous show. And then this is my third time. And it just feels 
you know, even though I haven't talked to you really in between the interviews, besides coming to your event, it still feels to me like I have some sort of like ancestral connection with you just because your book was like such a, a breaking point for me. So, or an opening point for me. So thank you so much for your work and for your being. Um, I'd love to hear your story of what brought you to who you are today, or maybe even like what initiation stands out to you the most when it comes to stepping into your warrior goddess self? Mm, such a great question. Thanks, Jade. And it makes me so happy when people share about their experiences with warrior goddess training and how yeah. it's a door that opened into other things. So my doorway in, oh, there's so many initiations. Mm -hmm. I'll say one of the biggest ones in relationship to warrior goddess. So I was raised in Southeast Asia. We moved around a lot as a kid. And when I came to the United States for the first time, I felt really like, what is wrong with this place? Yeah. A sense of disconnection. I felt people were disconnected around me. And it took me many years to understand that the disconnection for me was in my relationship to spirit mm. and in my relationship to community and women's circles and how important those are as a way for us to come back home to ourself. Mm. And then warrior goddess training, just the, the concept in the book was actually birthed in an interesting way because I started doing women's circles when I was 21, kind of spontaneously where I was learning about European shamanism and the cycles and the moon and the goddess and all these things. And I was like, oh my God, I need to share this. This is so incredible. Yeah. And the first time that a friend and I were like, oh, let's just offer something and see who comes. 60 women showed up. Wow. See so Davis when I, where I went to college. And I was super introverted and super shy. And I remember my friend Autumn and I looked at each other and she goes, I'll take 30 if you take 30. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and that was the beginning. It just like opened from there. And I started doing regular women's circles and I created an apprenticeship program, which was a, a year long program. And then when I moved from California to Texas, I had a lot of people that were like, take us with you. And I started doing online stuff, but it wasn't online, it was phone. We didn't even, you know, we didn't have online things then. We had the phone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that created the foundation for the warrior goddess work because mm -hmm. I was like, okay, how do I translate what I've been doing live into long distance? Mm -hmm. So I ended up writing a bunch of articles and really feeling into where are the pain points for us as women? Where do we get stuck? Yeah. And these 13 different ideas. Um, and then what really birthed warrior goddess training was a divorce. Mm. I was going through a really rough divorce and my publisher, I'd published one book with him and my publisher was like, all right, what's your next book? And I was like, I don't have a book. Like, I have nothing. All of my energy was, was try trying to navigate my emotional world. Hmm. physical world at that time and my publisher was like well what have you written already and I gave him a couple of ideas and he was like that's not it that's not it and I said well I've got this women's program he's like that's it oh, I like this publisher <laughs> yeah he's he's phenomenal Randy Davila Hierophant Publishing so together we crafted he's like let's make it 10 lessons and we just 
synthesized this teaching that had been like deep in my bones over 30 years, basically, mm -hmm. into these 10 lessons. And that became the book. Yeah. So I know it's a long answer. And it's so fun to see how, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, the book just gets born. Yeah. But it's, it's grounded in being together with people. And then through the fire of my own phoenixing through yeah. a hard situation that also then went into, okay, what does it mean to be a warrior? Yeah. And what does it mean to be a goddess, even in challenging times? Mm. Yeah. And looking back, it almost makes the pain so beautiful, you know? Yeah. Yes. Mm. Exactly. yeah. So that, that book where your goddess training, and, and I know you have other books that we'll, we'll bring up as well, but that book is also what introduced me to the Toltec archetypes of the woman. I had never heard of them before. And um, it's the maiden, the mother, and the crone, as, as you know. Uh, and I was curious if you could maybe break them down, like what each, like go into each one maybe, but also like how we can cultivate them. Because I feel like, I, I mean, I don't know, are we ever done being all three? Like, I don't know that we like graduate into crone, right? Are we, are we actually like cultivating all three? And the one that I really want to cultivate, I feel like I've always throughout my life held the maiden. Um, I'm, even though I'm a mother, I, I've always carried pain around the sentence, sentence and maybe some shame, but mothering has never actually come natural for me. Um, I didn't really have a mother either. And so I'm trying to find ways to cultivate the mother within me, not just for my children, but also for my partner, you know, who's chronically ill. And really, of course, I want to step into the crone. So would love to hear, you know, your thoughts on each one and how we can cultivate them. Yeah, I love this dream because my next book is about maiden mother crone. Yeah. And all three. Yay. So awesome. those three archetypes are incredibly powerful for us as women to start to turn towards and understand that it's not a like I'm maiden, then I'm mother, then I'm crone. Check. Right that it's, we're learning how to cultivate all of the beauty of each of these different energies. Mm -hmm. The maiden energy is really about creativity and curiosity. And like, a, it's a really fiery in the world energy. Mm -hmm. And I think about it as the, like the spark, the excitement, the curiosity, the exploration is the maiden energy. Mm -hmm. And the mother energy is about the, the fire sustaining the fire. How do you nourish the fire over time? Mm. How do you stay inspired? How do you stay steady? So mothering energy is not just about children. It's about how we mother ourselves, how we mother in the world. And the mother quality is about getting stable and steady and sustainable over time. Mm. And then the crone energy is... I think of it as the coals. It's like when all the heat goes into the coals and the coals are really rich and they sustain for a long time. And the crone energy is about our wisdom, like really embodying our wisdom, getting quiet, connecting into our stillness, into our connection with our intuition and seeing the big, big picture of everything. So the mother's about sustaining what's here the crone's about backing up into the, what we can call the long story of our lives and listening deeply to intuition, stepping into what does it mean to be an elder, and that these qualities are not age-based. Mm -hmm. They're things that we can develop all the time. Mm 
So no matter what ages that we are, mm-hmm. you know, we, we think sometimes we tend to think like, well, I should just know how to mother, or I should know how to, you know, be in, engaged with the maiden energy or with the crone energy. And it's not that simple because they're deep energies and there's a lot that we've been trained that goes against them. There's a it's just like I think about um, warrior goddess, like there's the deficiency of warrior or the excess of warrior. It's the same thing with these three qualities. You can have a deficiency of maiden energy in your mm-hmm. life, a deficiency of mother energy. Mm-hmm. If you were never mothered, of course, you're going to have a deficiency of mother energy. You have no role model. Yeah. So you find the balance of that. And there can also be excess of each of those qualities as well. Yeah. And I've heard, maybe I saw it on social media that um, the thought, I don't know that it's Toltec wisdom, but the thought that there's now this fourth archetype, which is the wild woman. Um, And I I don't know much about that, but that just, I was just reminded of that, but it's interesting. I feel that our culture tries to keep women thinking that they're either the maiden or the mother. It can't be both. And also there's, it seems like also there's this like lack of reverence for the crone. And I don't know if that's like our fear of aging or the, f- the fear of the power of it. You know, there's, there's something there. Um, and it, it just, it makes me so sad, but I also see that times are changing. So uh, I think that I, I hope that we're moving towards a time where we really are in reverence of our elders and the intuition and the wisdom that they carry. And I think that, you know, there's also, I see on social media a lot, the talk of ancestors. And I think that that's the direction that we're headed is honoring our ancestors and, and the wisdom they had. And and also realizing that that wisdom is within us when we can open up to it. So I hope that, I hope that it's shifting. I hope it's shifting too. And it's true that we don't have to choose between maiden and mother, but we get to orcra, we get to really feel where do I need maiden energy? Where do I need more inspiration and fun and play and exploration? Uh, and where do I need more of the mother energy? How do I balance that out? And you're so right with the crone. I mean, I just had my my agent write me and she's like, I think we should take the word crone out because wow. I the word crone. I just looked it up and it's it's and the definition of crone is terrible. Oh. And I was like, wait a minute, it's been compromised. To me, it means wise woman. Right. And if you look at the definition, it means hag, old, like it's, it's really because the patriarchy, like when I look at Europe and this happened all around the world, like the the maiden mother crone archetypes are out of Europe. And Mm -hmm. I brought them into the Toltec world was as I was working with Miguel, they're out of Europe and the if you think about the Inquisition, during the Inquisition, there was a 500-year period where women were killed for being witches. And I do that in quotes because yeah. a lot of times women were killed because they were wearing the color red. Or I because mean, they were killed. Out. Yeah, I mean, we were dead for sure, no yeah. doubt. <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> it's like 
the the amount and sometimes entire villages the, all the women in the village would be killed off except for one or two it was an incredible painful painful time and during that time women's power was squished like was pushed down and that energy of the crone and the wise one and the you know the most of the women that were killed or many of the women that were killed were the midwives were the wise ones and there was a split that happened with the um the doctors and the church like taking over and wanting the power and so mm. anybody that had power at that time especially the women because they were the medicine women they were the medicine women. yes mm. and so for me the crone i'm like yes we have to reclaim that word mm. of reclaiming our wisdom reclaiming the places that we know what's needed reclaiming our connection to our ancestors as yes. well wherever our ancestors are from and that larger picture of stepping into our power in all three of these areas. Mm -hmm. Aiden has tremendous power, but it's often been compromised into sexuality, into you have to be young and small and pretty. So that's like when the maiden energy gets corrupted in a way, we then make ourselves small and nice and kind. Yeah. And be like, okay, yes, I'm good. Um, and when the mother energy gets corrupted, we end up going into caretaking completely. Like, I'll just fix everybody else and that'll keep me safe. Yeah. Fawning. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, it makes me think of um, just the word witch uh, to me means someone who's connected to the earth, right? And that uses the elements of the earth um, in their work. And I had someone uh, that's close to me tell me, you know, because I, I often use words that are taboo that people don't like. And I'm like, this is what it means for me. And he told me like, well, look at the dictionary. You can't just like choose a new meaning for a word, but it's like, well, who got, who, who decided this? Like, think about where it came from. Think about like the, the, um, agenda behind it, you know? And so I love that you brought that up, that story. And uh, you know, with the word witch, though, there was it was interesting because I've I get called witchy, you know, and I know that my work is witchy, but the word witch itself never like fully felt resonant. And but there was this part of me that was like, don't be conditioned, like, don't you like, you know, and so I was like fighting against it. But it's still sometimes when I would be like, yeah, I'm a witch, I would feel like I was lying or something. It just didn't feel. And I thought, I must have been burned in past lives because there's, it's not fear. It just, there's this hesitance on my tongue. But then I was reading um, a book about basically like priestess energy, uh, the return of the divine Sophia. It's the lost, the, you know, the lost teachings of Isis and Mary Magdalene. And when she described priestess, it was like, Oh, it just clicked like, Oh, and it like the word priestess feels so natural for me. It like, literally I feel my spine straighten when I use it. And so I'm not sure again, if that's like a past life thing or a conditioning thing, but I know for me, it just, it feels really good to use that word, but the word crone, I, when I picture that, I picture a woman with like so much wisdom and power and almost this like gold halo around her head of, you know, and so um, I'm so glad that you stuck to your conviction there about keeping the word, uh, crone in your book. I'm curious, how, how can we 
take that power back in our own lives and and really um, step towards the crone? Uh, is it what can we embrace? I guess I would say there's there's so many pathways into the crone. One of the biggest ones is learning how to be silent and connect to our stillness, hmm. not repression. Like not the place of I'm not allowed to speak, but the place of let me get really quiet and listen. Mm. Let go of my own opinions about who's right, who's wrong, what should be happening here. Let go of my own stories mm. and reconnect with this river of my intuition that's connected to all the women that came before me mm. and all the women that will come after me. Oh, that sounds so beautiful. It sounds like the opposite of patriarchy too, because patriarchy is deciding what's right and wrong and putting things in a box, even putting God in a box. And it sounds like that is the exact opposite. So I love that. The matriarchy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and coming back into relationship with the circles and the cycles. And I think that's the power of the crone is that when we really understand the beauty of birth and death, and we honor for the crone, falling in love with the surrender, the letting go, the dying, the decay, the composting, that we're so conditioned to like the beginning and the new and the shiny mm -hmm. and the young. And the crone reminds us that the, the letting go and the aging and the death and the, the, let, the release in all senses, is just as powerful and just as important as yeah. the birth. Yeah, I love actually the thought of aging. Like I turned 37 this year, and while I know that's not very old, I was so excited. Like the first week I was 37, every morning I woke up like, I'm 37. It was so exciting for me because I felt like I'm getting closer to 40. And like for me, for some reason, and maybe it's naive of me to associate that with wisdom, but it, it, for some reason, I just felt so excited about it. And I remember you in our first interview talking about when you get a gray hair, you get excited. You're like, yay, another gray hair. And at the same time, every time I see you over these past three years, you look younger at the same time, because you you have such a youthful, vibrant glow while you gracefully age, you know, so I think it's because you're accept, you're so accepting of it you know it's a graceful with ease and surrender so um i also wanted to bring up the warrior heart practice uh and i know you that's your process to move from confusion to clarity and pain into peace specifically i'm curious and uh, you know if you want to just say what the warrior heart practice is that's fine too but i'm the part that i'm most curious about is separating feeling from story um or story from truth, maybe what, what, you know, however, whatever angle you want to take it. And I know you said that the truth is simple, that there's a knowing, even if it's uncomfortable, I still have a really hard time with that separating my stories from truth. And Byron Katie work has really helped me with my projections, but I still, my stories become my truth so much. And I don't know where that comes from, but maybe you can speak to how we can differentiate between the two. Absolutely. And I, I started weaving the warrior heart practice together with the maiden mother crone. So we can weave this in like mm -hmm. maiden energy is around emotion and feeling everything. 
mm-hmm. and experience, which is really beautiful. The mother energy is about the story, what we're nourishing and what we're feeding. And the crone energy is about the truth. And how do we get to that place of stepping back and into the truth? And so the warrior heart practice is really simply the, the separation process of what am I feeling? What's the story that I'm telling myself? what's actually true, and then getting clear about our intent and coming back. And so how to separate the feelings from the story and the story from the truth. Yay! This is <laughs> so often we just mush together the feeling and the story. And the mush, so technical of a term, right? Like the tangle that we've created is not from even the feelings of the present moment. It's from feelings of the past things that we never processed, experiences that we had that we just often pushed the emotions down. And the story, then when they're tangled together, the story can keep the emotion going forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. The, the story, it has the, the emotion gets caused, we have the emotion, then we think about the story and we can just get stuck there. And that's mm-hmm. where a lot of us live with that when we don't have awareness is we're just pinging back and forth between the story and feeling and defending our story or making projecting our story into other people and making it their fault or punishing ourselves. And it's a really definite punishment model that we can do when we get into those tangles. And so to create the first separation is to start to learn how to be in relationship with that maiden energy of just feeling without needing to explain it or understand it. Just, hi, sweetheart, what are you feeling right now? Mm. And I think it's often a young part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. What are you feeling? And I, one of the things I really love doing and teaching people is like, put your hands on your body and come here Mm. and practice feeling. What are you feeling without thinking about it, explaining it, trying to understand it, intellectualize it Mm. (sighs) right here. And that question, what am I feeling? And, And loving that young part of ourselves that has so many emotions. And that as we take the story out, we start to come back into relationship with the feeling. We start to be able to release the feelings just by acknowledging them. And that's what they need so often. It's just acknowledgement. So feelings. And then the story is the that mother. And the mother can nurture a great story or a, or a difficult story. Mm-hmm energy you can feed any kind of story Mm -hmm. you have to figure out what story am i feeding what am i nourishing right now so to be again really honest what story am i telling myself and to to like feelings stay here good you know like stay and then what's the feeling what's the story what's happening in my head Mm -hmm. and to get really curious of what are you nourishing with your Mm -hmm. thoughts because so often the story is is how we're thinking about it, based mm-hmm. on experience. But then we create all sorts of things on top of that, mm-hmm. right? And then the the separating the story from the truth, like you said, the 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 truth is really simple. The story often has defenses and projection and all this noise. And the truth, we just get really quiet. For me, that's the crone. That's the getting really still. And stepping back to look, okay, what's actually true here? It just takes practice, mm. like doing the Byron Katie work, which is similar. Um, 
because it's an inquiry practice. The warrior heart practice is an inquiry practice to separate yeah. and create space. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to apply that to my two situations of that are big struggles for me right now. Um, one would be, you know, me and my partner have very different um, spiritual beliefs. Um, he believes that like you reach God one way, basically like through Jesus and that's it. And I believe I reach God through Ganesh and Lakshmi and Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And, uh, but to his belief is that that's sinful, you know? So it's, it's, um, created this disconnect between us. That's really hard. And, uh, we're figuring out if we can navigate it and accept each other, because I also see that in feeling like he's making me wrong, I'm making him wrong, you know? So there's that, that I'm trying to apply that to. And then also my kids Montessori, which a big goal in my parenting was to have my kids in a school that teaches social justice and economical issues and, and raises them to be little warrior goddesses, you know? And I just found out that they're raising the price to where I would be paying almost 2000 a month to keep them enrolled for both kids, which is insane. That's like, a, it's more than the mortgage in the house I'm in. So uh, there's this fear of, I can't keep them in there. I'm going to have to have them switch schools, which I went to 18 different schools. So I have this big fear around them moving around. And then also this fear of oh, I'm going to have to put them in public school where they're going to be in a desk all day and not outside and not being taught, you know, the things that really matter. And they're going to come home with all this homework and like, I have this fear and also the fear of, I'm going to look like to the spiritual community that I'm not woke because my kids are in public school and not in Montessori, you know, like there's all these stories. Um, but there's also this story of this, like, it makes me not a good mother because I, I'm going to put them in public school. But deep down, I don't want to put them in public school. It's a deep desire of mine to provide them with education that is not the norm. Uh, so I'm trying to apply it to those two stories, because obviously I have created narratives, you know, and, and, and I need to just sit with what's true. Um, so I'm going to apply those. Uh, I feel like this is also closely related to what you've talked about with the inner judge and the victim. And I would love to hear, because most of us know what the inner judge and victim sound like, but I would love to hear what you talk about is actually how to love them. And uh, maybe this, a part of that too might be like distinguishing our mind's habits from true intuition, which is a bit of what you already said, but mm -hmm. sometimes um, that gut feeling, it still can be coming from fear sometimes, you know? So, so I guess how, how can we differentiate and, and, and how can, when it is the inner victim or the inner judge, how can we come to them with love? I, I guess that's kind of what you already said, where you put your hand in your heart and ask like, sweetheart, what are you needing? Is that basically the same thing? Yeah. And, and to start with like, what is it like, so in your situation with your kids, let's pick that one. Mm -hmm. So to, what's the feeling? So the feeling is like the story is I'm going to be a bad mother, but what's the feeling? Mm. That I failed maybe, or, or, or do you mean like the emotion? Yeah. The emotion. Yeah. 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 Sadness and disappointment. Yeah, exactly. And then heartbreak, like that you do 
may have to pull them out or that you do need to pull them out. So there's, so that's the feeling of like the grief, the heartbreak, the disappointment, mm -hmm. the sadness to feel that where the, the judge and the victim comes is actually in the story room. Yeah. Cause the judge then says, you're a terrible mother. Mm -hmm. The feelings are just the feelings. The story then pull the judge and the victim then start having lots of, of, of you know conversations of like, see, I'm so victimized because the patriarchy is one's on a, a you know financial model and it's not fair, mm -hmm. or I'm a bad mother because I can't keep my kids in. How am I going to be seen? And so the judge and victim then start creating all sorts of things, mm -hmm. and so that's that separation of getting curious of like the feeling period. What's the feeling? I feel sad. Be with the sadness. It's sad. Mm -hmm. Be with the grief. Be with the disappointment. Just let yourself feel that without needing to change it or make it go away. <sighs> and then get curious. All right. What are the judge and victim up to? Mm. And to just know they're trying to keep us safe. Yeah. Like they're they're like trying so hard to figure it out. And and that what shifts for me, what we're doing, what we're learning how to do to shift into truth is to tap into the deeper aspect of the judge or the healed aspect of the judge, which is discernment. Discernment mm -hmm. is what's actually true. Mm -hmm. And for the victim, it's vulnerability. Mm. True vulnerability. So the victim is like, it's not fair. Vulnerability says, it's hard being human. Yeah. I'm going to make choices. I feel tender about that. Mm. And, and the vulnerability is beautiful. It's, it's different than the victim because it's just the expression of like, the truth is, I really want this for my kids. Mm. And I feel vulnerable because I can't provide it. Mm. I don't see a way to provide it. Mm -hmm. And that you just stay with that vulnerability. Being human, there's lots of things we'd like to be different mm -hmm. that aren't going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And there's where the tenderness comes in. And that keeps us human. Mm -hmm. you no, know, sometimes people want to bypass the vulnerability, but it's the beauty of being a human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I want to sit with all of that and and really um, put it on paper. And then also, um, you know, there's the part of like trusting spirit. Like, am I? Is there a lack of trust there that like the money will show up, even though that's a lot of freaking money to, <laughs> to appear out of nowhere? Um, so, speaking of children as well, I would love to hear um, any tips you have for raising a warrior goddess daughter. Maybe mm -hmm. what what your parents did or didn't do that, you know, worked for you, or you, you know, you may have wished you had, or, um, I have a lot of parents that listen. So would love to hear your tips there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Raising a warrior goddess daughter starts with you mm. of doing your work. Like it always yeah. comes back. Not that, okay. I'll say I'm like three thoughts just collided. <laughs> Whatever we're mothering, so whether you're mothering children or projects, this place of coming back to how am I mothering myself? Mm. How am I mothering myself? Am I learning how? And does this isn't about perfection. This is about am I learning how to be more unconditional with myself, to be more 
more conscious of my self-care, mm-hmm. to learn how to rest, that we're in that process of learning how to mother ourselves the same way we would learn how to mother a plant, mm. right? Mm-hmm. What do I need to weed? What do I need to water mm-hmm. with my relationship with myself? And that that is the anchor. And that then we then extend that out to our children. That as we then become more unconditional with ourselves, we're then modeling that to our kids. And, and that place of being warrior goddesses, which mm-hmm. doesn't mean perfect which means process that's Mm -hmm. why training because it's it's ongoing it's like doing going to the gym yeah this idea of like i'm just gonna brush my teeth once or i'm gonna go to the gym Mm -hmm. once you know i'm gonna wash my hair once and then i'm done like i'm just gonna plant the flower exactly Mm -hmm. like never water it yeah yeah and that reminder of like it takes ongoing and that's the same thing about being parents Mm -hmm. you know uh, Don Miguel, who has kids, um, mm-hmm. that we wrote the relationship book together, Seven yeah. Secrets of Happy and Healthy Relationships. Mm-hmm. He talks about being a dad. Like, I don't have kids, but working with him, he's like, you know, being a parent, like they're two and you kind of figure out two and then they turn three and it's a completely different thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're teenagers and you're like, what is this? Yeah. That like totally being with your kid. What does mm-hmm. your kid need? And they're different. Like what each child needs is really different. So it's that showing up with what motivates them, what excites them. And how do you find that is by figuring that out with yourself as well. Yeah. No, I was, and I think for me, like I was really, really, really blessed with my parents because they really encouraged my sister and I to explore and make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And because we traveled so much and they, they were constantly showing us how different humans are. That's just been amazing in my life now is that, you know, I talked to friends that have been in one place their entire lives and went to the same school with the same people. And sometimes it's hard to, to realize there's a lot of different points of view and ways of being in the world. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the gifts of being exposed and exposing our kids to different things mm-hmm. so that they understand that the world is so vast. And how humans interact and are with each other is so different. None of them are right or wrong. That was something that was instilled in me. And I think it's a beautiful thing to instill in children. There isn't one way. Mm-hmm. To respect everybody's choices, there isn't one way. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much. That um, really makes so much sense. The, the very, um, well, both both points that you brought up, but the the mothering yourself and, and also just, I guess the modeling, because I know children, especially up until age seven, they really just model what they see. Like you can tell them to do one thing, but if you don't like embody it, they're not, they're not going to take that on. So, um, so I have two more little questions and then the lightning round, uh, I wanted to hear the heart throat connection, hear about the heart throat connection. Mm. Yes. When we learn how to use our voice, mm. we, I'll share this story first. Like so often with women that we hold our voice back and we try to be nice that we don't speak. And so if you can imagine if you have never used your voice, and 
every time somebody at work says, where do you want to go to lunch? You're like, I don't know. Where do you want to go to lunch? And you've done that your entire life with everything. And then one day you decide to get your voice back. You're like, I'm going to be a warrior. I'm going to get my voice back. What often happens is we find our voice and we, it's not connected to the heart yet. Mm. And there's ways that we go through that it comes out rough, right? Mm. So when we start claiming our voice, we either do this. Someone says, where do you want to go to lunch? And we're like, I want to go to Italian food. <laughs> Explosion. It's not heart centered. It's just like, why is fucking no one ever asked me? Like, <laughs> right? Explosion. And we can stay in that place. We're like, I have my voice back now. I'm using my voice, which I called empowered victim. Which mm. is disconnected from the heart. Yeah. You will listen to me because nobody's ever listened to me. So I'm going to, so there's that excess warrior yeah. in relationship to the voice. Okay. Or we do the opposite, which is, I'd really like to go to Italian food. What do you think? Would Italian food be okay? I like it. I love Italian food. Oh, oh, wait, I forgot. You don't like, you like Mexican. Let's just go to Mexican. Mexican's fine. I don't really care. It's all good. So we do the God, kind of more goddess of like, we try to use our voice and then we get scared. So then we pull it back and we repress it. It's also not. I have done both of those so much. We all have truthfully. Right. And you can also get stuck in that, like, well, I'll use my voice, but then I'll backtrack constantly. And people are like, why don't people follow my, you know, how come people aren't understanding my boundaries? Right. Because we're like, here's my boundary. Oh, you don't, Oh, let me just put, Oh, is this better? Okay. Right. Yeah. We don't sound trustworthy. So they can't trust us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So when we, when we honor that part of the process and like go through, go through it and support ourselves through it, what happens is then we start connecting with our heart. Cause we have compassion for ourselves of how hard it is to find our voice again. Mm-hmm. And from that heart place, then we start to learn how do I be in relationship with myself? How am I speaking to myself? Mm. So often we're so mean to ourselves. Yeah. We're so judgmental. And we're who we talk to the most. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. And so you can't be happy when someone's always being this way towards you. Yeah. And again, our inner voice is disconnected from our heart. We're like, why aren't you doing it right? I can't believe you made a mistake. And we may have picked that voice up from somebody else, but we've now embodied it. Mm. It's now our voice. Whoever you got it from doesn't matter now. You're doing it to yourself. Yeah. So to, to reconnect with how do I be more loving and compassionate to myself? How do I mother myself from a loving place? Mm-hmm. We're going to make mistakes. All of us are, and that's going to be a lifetime journey. And so reconnecting our inner voice to our heart of having compassion for this human, this human experience, mm-hmm. then naturally our heart becomes connected to our voice when we speak to other people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we learn it's, it's a slow process. Yeah, there's beauty then that even when we make a mistake and we're like (laughs) projectile vomiting or when we're taking our voice back and be like, sorry, that we're like, oh, sweetie, come on, let's try it again. Let's try it again. again." Hmm. That's so beautiful. I I can see that, um, you know, in a past relationship, I was with someone who was very narcissistic and just controlled everything. So now my sweet partner now who, you know, would never try to control me, I can tend to, you know, if he tries to point out something, I can 
do what you met, you talked about, like, you, you're not going to control me, you know, because I, it, there's like this, it's interesting, like the pendulum swings where we take back our power and we stand in our truth. But it's like, like you talked about, it gets so big. And if we can like, you know, find the balance there and then, you know, there was a, a friendship that I was in for 12 years, so like a sister to me, but I always allowed her to just say how things were going to go. And then I finally said, you know, this doesn't really work for me. This isn't my creative process. It feels too, it, actually, I feel like I'm just in my masculine and, and it's hard for me to be creative here. Uh, this is, this is what feel good, feels good for me. This is my process. And I instantly felt punished by her and I, I lost the friendship and I did feel like it was heart connected, but so, so even still, sometimes when we're heart connected, it, you know, people might fall away and it, it can be so painful. And it's when that happens, it's hard to also not let the pendulum swing from one to the other because it's, it feels traumatic, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right. Like, Sometimes we have the illusion that if I just do it right and I'm centered in my heart and I speak my truth, that therefore everyone will respect it and we'll figure it out. It's yeah. not necessarily true. Yeah. And sometimes when we've not been speaking the truth to ourselves and we bring it out, we actually, it's like, oh, this isn't going to work. We're not yeah. going to remedy this. And sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. Coming from our heart, speaking our truth doesn't mean everything works out the way we think it's supposed to. Yeah, because some people signed a contract with us that we don't speak our truth. Exactly. So then when we do, it doesn't feel fair to them, you know? Yeah, and I can see, yeah, and I can <laughs> see in that friendship that uh, because it was the first time that I was using my opinion and and what felt good for me, it's almost like it was, I expected because it was the first time, like, oh, she finally needs something a certain way. It's been this long of all my way. So yeah, like, let me let me see how this can work for both of us. And because it was the opposite, I can see how then because of the reaction, I started to move into my anxious attachment, you know, so yes, there's yeah. so many, so many angles that can happen there. Um, angles, yes. <laughs> so the last thing I wanted to talk to you about before the lightning round was cultivating creativity through sexuality. And I know that's all stored there in our second chakra. So it makes perfect sense. And I know also when I experience pleasure sexually, oh my gosh, I feel so creative after. Like I get all these ideas and it's part of why I don't like sex at night because then I, I don't want to go to sleep. I've got things to write. You know? <laughs> it's perfect for me in the morning because then I get all these ideas and, and all the, like I want to write a book this year. And so I, you know, it makes sense. And also, uh, I think I, I, it makes sense, but I haven't put together why it makes sense. So I'd love to hear you, you go there. Absolutely. Yeah. Lesson five in War Goddess Training is about energizing your creativity and your sexuality. Mm -hmm. And the truth about our sexuality is that it is our life force energy. It's not separate. It's the fire of our life. And when I talk about sexuality, I'm not talking about necessarily being sexual with somebody else. It's, it's about owning your sexual energy as your fire, as your creativity. Mm -hmm. And you might choose to then be sexual with somebody else or be celibate. I know a lot of women that are celibate that have deep, yummy connection to their sexual flow. 
mm. and their creativity. But it's not something we're usually modeled. Like we're modeled, made in like your sexuality is for other people and then you're going to get a creative hit. And then, so there's this way that we want to learn how to bring our sexuality. I think about it into our mothering mm-hmm. where we go, this is my life force energy. How do I make it bright? And how do I find more pleasure in everything that I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Like you said, then how do I use it? So there's a lot of places where we can, raise more energy and then choose where we want to use it and I love that you you recognize that place of like oh when I'm sexual there's all this energy and I want to go put it places Mm -hmm. and that we can cultivate that in relationship with a partner or partners in relationship with ourself for some people what's super sexy is gardening with their gardening clogs on and that's what brings up their their feeling of like aliveness and yumminess yeah and so to look for where's the pleasure in my life and to give ourselves permission to have more pleasure and connect that pleasure, understand that pleasure, that yummy fire energy is then we can birth things. We can put into nurturing things. We can choose where do we want to channel that energy. Mm. And that always remember, channel some of it back to yourself as well. Like, yeah, yum, hold it. <laughs> yeah. I love that you brought that up. Um, I, I think, that even though painting is creativity, for me, it's also pleasure. So it's a way, like it's both. But, uh, you know, I have a lot of women in 40s and 50s that they don't really feel a sex drive and they they don't like really are de- like they're re- in relationships that like there's just not sex because they're either they have so many kids in the home or there's just no time or they're really tired and they just don't feel like sexual beings right now. And so... I can see how hearing like cultivating sexuality almost feels like like they want the creativity, but they don't it doesn't feel possible to cultivate sexuality. So I love that you brought that up that it can be found in gardening or whatever you find pleasure in. Awesome. Thank you. So there's a few short questions that I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. The first one is if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? It's going to be okay. Mm. Mm. We all need to hear that today, too. (laughs) If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Mm. The Four Agreements. You said that every time. (laughs) Consistent. (laughs) (laughs) It's very foundational. It's so simple and so helpful. Yeah, it really is. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Oh, that's such a good one. What comes up immediately is look within for God. Hmm. Oh, that that's like honey to my soul. Yeah. So the patriarchy that we've talked about is putting God outside of yourself. So look within. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you. All right. How can people connect with you and find out when your new book is released and all the things? Uh, um, on all the social media, Heather Ash Amara, and the website's warriorgoddess.com. And the new book will come out in 2023. So I'd say join our newsletter so you can get more information. That's warriorgoddess.com for all the things. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank mm-hmm. you, Jade. It's always so wonderful to connect to you and just have our, my heart always feels happy after. Me talking. too. Me too. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Thank you.
All right, you guys, that was so, uh, you know, she was the second or third guest that I ever interviewed on a podcast back on the Magic Hour days. So back in like uh, 2018, maybe even, yeah, I think 2018. Um, And it's so cool to think back to where I was emotionally and just in my path, on my path during that interview. And then look at where I'm at today. It gives me a lot of gratitude towards myself. Um, I feel like a lot of what she teaches, I've actually um, stepped more into embody, embodying them. Whereas back then, they were like, I was just getting introduced to them. So I love uh, you know, I, I love that thought and that feeling. And also just, you know, the, the thing that I said to her when she came on, there's this feeling of, you know, I've gone to one or two of her events and I've interviewed her three times now. And just this feeling of, even though it's not like we're talking all the time, but there's this like really deep connection that I feel from her because of the difference her work has made in my life. And I just, I think that's so cool that when someone says yes to the call and they create something that can be shared, that can change people's lives, that can transform them, that it develops that that type of like lineage with them, almost like a soul lineage or, um, yeah, I I, I hope that makes sense. Um, It inspires me in my work and I hope that uh, I hope that I'm being that type of light in the world, and uh, not only through this podcast, but you know, through through how I live. And uh, yeah, so feeling super grateful and inspired by by Heather Ash. And I'll also thank the affiliates, as always, the Pleasure Wands and Yoni Eggs at Wands W A A nds.com code jade for a discount all things cbd directtemp.com a better way to cbd all things get a discount with code jade there as well and then higher dose infrared products i love the women who created this company they are so amazing and they are just doing great things with their lives and uh, i know that you know with the recent situation with the war uh, they've really put their money where their mouth is if I don't know if that saying makes sense uh, in this situation but they've really like they've they've really contributed to reputable organizations and just you know stepped up and I just I love who they are and I love their products it's higher dose infrared products and it's uh, the code is jade 75 you get 75 dollars off anything on their site all right thank you so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me It would mean so much if you could leave a review. You don't even have to write anything. You just hit the five star, the four star, the three star, whatever you're feeling. (laughs) Hopefully you feel it's the five star. Um, But if not, I would love to know uh, why. I would love to to hear constructive feedback on that. And I'd also love for you to share an episode with a friend. I truly believe that this episode can be really healing for women. And so if you could share it with a sister of yours or a mother or a coworker or whoever, Uh, It would mean so much. You can also join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.